Hello, I'm Laura Castleton, U.S. Head of Portfolio Construction and Strategy at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of brighter futures for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. Fast Money starts right now, live from the NASDAQ market site overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Lear. Traders on the desk are Tim Seymour, Karen Feinerman, David Seberg, and Steve Grosso. Tonight on Fast, the crypto carnage continues. Bitcoin getting crushed, sinking below $10,000 as even Facebook cracks down on the cryptocurrency. And a top market watcher says something has changed about the Bitcoin story. He'll tell us what that is. Plus, Amazon takes no prisoners again. Jeff Bezos moving into healthcare and sending shockwaves to the market. But could it be the perfect buying opportunity? We'll explain. But first, we begin with stocks getting slammed. The Dow falling more than 400 points at the lows of the session, locking in its worst two-day sell-off since Brexit. The Dow now hovering around 26,000. And these 1% sell-offs are a rare occurrence. The Dow only had four in 2017. And since the last one on September 5th, it is up a whopping 20% from the close that day. And just in case you've got sell-off amnesia, Merriam-Webster defines a sell-off as a usually sudden sharp decline in security prices accompanied (laughs) by increased volume of trading. So is this the start of a bigger correction or could this be your best chance to buy the dip, Tim? Mal, welcome back. Doesn't this feel good? I mean, look, this is this is something that a lot of people have been asking for. This is something that a lot of people feel is necessary for this market to go higher. So um, when I think about what's happened over the last couple of days, you've heard the stats. We haven't done this since Brexit. We haven't had ball here since August. Um, bottom line here is the base kind of bull case, I think, still remains very much intact in terms of the global economy, in terms of earnings that have really been largely extraordinary. Um, an upgrade cycle that's probably going to would have existed even without a tax deal. We were going to get 12, 13. 13% EPS growth on the S&P. Now we've only upgraded maybe three, four bucks when we'll probably upgrade 15 bucks based upon taxes. But do you have to jump in and buy tomorrow? I don't think so. And I think there's still some headwinds with the Fed. We had a, we had a slightly hot PCE, an inflation number earlier today. We have rates that are going higher. We have markets that I think are a little bit concerned about a payroll report on Friday, that if that shows some heat on the wages side, I think people will be a little bit more concerned on rates. I mean, 2.7% on the 10-year, that seems to be or seems it's, to have been the line in the sand. Right. Yeah, yeah, it is. I think this is all about tax reform. I think the upward motion in the, in the, in the stock market and the economy is all about tax reform. I do think today's sell-off was month-end. I think it was rebalancing. I think you're going to see that sort of unwind next couple of days or so. Having said that, I don't know what these companies are going to do with the money, with the cash, and nobody does. So I think the market is looking ahead, saying much higher prices Maybe, you know, another 100 handles or so. This could be a yeah. buying opportunity. Uh, wait, another, hun- another 100 handles I would like to see down? the market sell off another 2% okay. just to get us back into Before sort of norm. Before you dip your toe in. Before you start buying extra. I'm fully allocated. I'm not selling. All of a sudden, we think that there's another 200 points down. I mean, we've been waiting for a pullback for so long. Investors have been bellyaching that there has not been a pullback long enough or deep enough to buy. Here we are. Here it is. But this, you don't I mean, buy? I don't you know don't pull the trigger? Two days. I'm not sure this is long or deep. I don't know that this is it. I mean, look at the, the, you know, the actual price moves in some of these stocks. 
look at it more in percentage terms. I mean, we really didn't have a blip on the on the on the radar screen from the standpoint of a pullback at all within the S and P's. And I look at it and say, we saw a market sort of gravitate higher. I know we saw this retail money come flying in, and you could look at anything from RSI to whatever, saying it's inflated. I totally get that. But the bottom line is, you see momentum and and sort of volume confirm or trade in tandem with price, which is a very bullish signal. That hasn't derailed. The global economy hasn't derailed. So you buy? In my opinion, you, you pick your spot, you buy. I think you buy stocks on any pullback. The context, and I know you're saying, this is not long, this is not deep. The context, though, is what we said at the beginning. Four 1% pullbacks in 2017. No, I think this is great. We haven't seen this anything. Is this is as deep as it gets I mean, in the right. past year. Come on, Karen, you love this, don't you? I, well, I, I didn't do much today. I'm, <laughs> I, you know, it's sort of a relief sometimes to see it sell off a little bit. I think, to me, the biggest risks, which are still out there, we'll see it maybe tomorrow, is the Fed feels that inflation is getting a little ahead of where the Fed is. That, to me, is the biggest risk. If they raise something more aggressive than the market already has baked in, that, I see, is the monkey wrench for the market. Otherwise, I don't think this Which is... Which is not a possibility. I, I, the, I don't think I don't the know. Fed we'll can see, be we'll as see recent as December. Guys, we've been, straight up on, we've been straight up on stocks. Last week, you had $35 billion going to equities globally. That was a record. Right. You've had a move that has been borderline absurd, even in, this, in the context of a market that's had an unending bull market for, for seven or eight years. I, this, this, what has happened here is nothing. And, and it's, and it's, and it's, it's very healthy. No, but that's it, but here's what I'm saying is that I don't think that the Fed is going to come out and say that inflation is getting ahead of where they think. No, but I don't think so. I think you're saying that that's a risk. That's what I see as right. the biggest risk. That's the biggest also, risk. tonight we'll see, we'll see with the President's State of the, State the Union. Of the union. Yeah. Maybe you get a bid under some infrastructure stocks or right. if he says something that's very bullish on infrastructure. I don't know. I mean, I think on the heels of him having done what was considered a nice job at Davos, I think the bar is a little bit higher for him here as opposed to last year right. when the bar was very low and, and he jumped over it. So I, I don't know that we're going to see a lot tonight. To me, the Fed and the interest rate thing, that is the biggest risk. For emerging markets, they all got clock today as well to an excellent call getting out of Brazil. There was yep. no safe haven in no. today's trade. But, and that was but, the weird thing also about the sell-off, yes. right? Uh, yes. Uh, though, look at the volatility index. It's it spiked a little, a little bit. A right. little. So if it opens up down tomorrow, then if we get a little more juice in the VIX, then I would sell some puts. You're noting that gold didn't even get a bid. I well, mean, nothing look, got a bid today. I, you know, I, 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 people think that I have some personal vendetta against gold. Bottom line is the situation is that gold has had a perfect set of tailwinds for itself and has done nothing. It sold off 2% from the highs three days ago. It's supposed to be non-correlated. It's supposed to be a hedge. It's supposed to be something that allows your portfolio a buffer. It hasn't been. Um, back to what Steve said, though, I, I think, you know, the, the, the month-end rebalancing is a significant dynamic, especially in a world, though, when you start to get rates itching up to 273, 274. I think equity markets have a lot of fixed-income market money in them, and I think at some point that's going to turn. I think that's something that people need to be thinking about, and that's a dynamic that you feel on a day like today. Look, I mean, I think you have to look at it from the standpoint. What's your what's your viewpoint on technology and your viewpoint on financials? I love tech and I love financials. They make up about 40 percent of the S&P. So I look at it from the standpoint of that alone is indicative of the fact that I think this this bull market continues to move in a month. David. But let so, me say I mean, today, know, I, I was, today was a quant driven sell off yesterday for the most part as well. We didn't see any panicking in our desk whatsoever. We didn't see guys calling up and saying, take this order to sell X, Y, Z. We're blowing out of this position to move into this stock at all. Zero 
of that, 100% quant driven in my, from my perspective. And again, the fact that we get a little bit you know, frothy on the edges. So we're pulling back a little. It's healthy. Buy the heck out of this market. You know, I, I think when you said there was no safe haven, you're right. It, uh, only utilities caught a very, very slight Small bid today. Bid. Exactly. But if you, I, I'm going to continue to look and be, be constructive on housing, which has been great. Uh-huh. We had a great year last year. And now it's sort of getting caught up in those headwinds where interest rates are moving higher. I don't think interest rates, until they br- uh, to breach 4%, are going to affect the housing market whatsoever. I'm still long Pulte Homes. Yeah, in terms of the State of the Union tonight, there are different areas that, of course, right. you'll be watching, right? Deregulation could hit, could impact, help, you know, in, a, in a good way. Yeah. Yep. Um, infrastructure, infrastructure, financials as well. I mean, yep. that could be uh, swept up there. Drug pricing, that could be a hit tomorrow. I mean, what right. do we, what and will you be looking for? And also how combative he is with Democrats, right? So whether if he tries to be somewhat conciliatory, maybe he has a higher chance of getting something done. If not, I think on some of these other issues, he's going to have a hard time getting something done. Yeah, I, I think, you know, health care would be really interesting in the context of today's news with, with mm-hmm. Amazon and J.P. Morgan and, and Berkshire. Um, I think the infrastructure trade, it, we, we know that there's going to be some reference to it. it how significant, I don't know. Uh, but if you look at how some of these stocks started to perform in the afternoon, um, steel stocks got destroyed today. I actually started, and I'm talking maybe a 15% nibble, back into some steel um, after flattening like AK? out. AK was crushed. No, I, I think U.S. Steel to me is a much okay. more diversified play that's, that's, that's at least going to be. AK is if you're, if you're exposed to autos and some of the higher grade stuff. Um, but anyway, I, I think the infrastructure trade is alive and well. I like cement. I like materials. And I think those are trades that go higher with yields. Again, if we're worried about yields going higher, you want assets that are going higher as well. All right. Let's bring in Tony Dwyer, chief market strategist at Canaccord Genuity. Uh, Tony, you were here just Thursday warning us that a pullback was coming. <laughs> well, I wish that was, was the, the first time that I've done that. Was this, <laughs> what, is this it? Um, I think it's the start of it. I can't believe with the two guys on the set that I'm the bear out of the two, out of these two, <laughs> out of Dave and Steve. Um, I got to tell you that I think that this was a fundamental move today. And here's how I say that. Last week we did the chart on Thursday. It was what happens when there's so few bears in the investors intelligence survey. Both in 2014 and 1986, you had high volatility. You had upside, new highs each time, but you had a number of pullbacks. And I think the reason for that is you have a disconnect. As Karen was talking about, you have a Fed that might be a little bit worried about the economic data. The economic data is strong. Nobody can say that that is not correct. Here's the problem. Expectations are too lofty. So you have the disconnect of a, of a Fed that appears to want to be more aggressive on the data and an investor that has been too high in expectations on the sentiment. So when, as they equal out, you're going to get this volatility. And I think this is going to be the greatest opportunity for active management, which means individual investors or professional active managers, because you're going to get to buy whoosh. I like to call them whooshes. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to get this, whoa, what was that? And that comes from a market that's acted like that. A one and three quarter percent decline on the S&P 500 week to date. Is that a whoosh? Is that the whoosh you buy? That's not even. Is that no, a, it's is, not. Is it, is it, so I mean, let's, let's do what most strategists won't do. I will give you parameters that what qualifies uh-huh. as a whoosh. I will take the percentage of stocks above their 10-day moving average dropping down to 10%. From okay. where is it now? Um, actually, I didn't check it at the end of the day. It's probably somewhere in the 20s to 30. Okay. okay. The VIX at 20, not at 14, as Karen pointed out, not at 14. You need a higher VIX. So maybe I'll miss this one like the last year where you never got to those levels. Again, what happens when investors get so optimistic? You get increased volatility with increased upside. So I'm not backing down in any way from my 3,100 target. And frankly, I'm probably 100 points too low. You're just going to get to buy them cheaper. You don't need to chase. If we wait for your whoosh, 
it may never happen. Do you do anything with this mini whoosh or whatever you want to call it that we're seeing here? <laughs> mini whoosh. Uh, on Thursday, I said, there's a great saying sometimes, don't just do something, sit there. Sit there. The fundamental backdrop is fantastic. We all know that. You have good economy. You have good earnings. You have a Fed that even on rates hasn't inverted the curve. So I agree with the, the, the setup. You've been right on the setup. But, but, but you have an investor that doesn't have any powder. You have an investor that's fully invested. The problem is the cash levels are their lowest in 10 years. Depending on who you're asking, they haven't been this low in 20 years. So right. this is the issue. And you also have a lot of people that say, hey, you know, I've done pretty well here. And if they're actually smart um, and they're investors and they, they realize if you're greedy, you're going to be a pig, you're going to get slaughtered. So uh, how much of that dynamic? Our call Thursday and our call to our investors, as you, as you know, is if you're levered in equities, like you're levered up, you're at the three times long, or if you're over-aggressive in the deep cyclical areas, and you're in a pullback, you cut back to neut you neutralize it. When you get some of these whooshes up, you're gonna, you got to neutralize it. You can't just stay levered long for the next year and not worry about it. So it's a great point to me, and thank you for, I, I think if you are levered long, neutralize it, and if you're significantly overweight, the aggressive sectors, neutralize aggressive it. Aggressive sectors meaning time. what? Meaning uh, tech, Industrial, the okay. ones I like, honestly, the ones right. I want to buy on weakness. Right. Financials, tech, industrial. When I look back at the history of the market, when you narrow the yield curve to the current degree that it is, believe it or not, over the next 6 to 12 months, you want to be long financials, infotech, right. and industrials. So not backing away from the 3,100, not backing away from our sector picks, but if you're levered long after a 7.5% three-week move, maybe you want to just take a take little a bit breath. off the table. Yeah. Take a breath. Tony, thank you. Good to see you again. Tony, Thanks Barr, for having Canaccord. me. What did you do today? Um, again, healthcare, sticking with that theme, bought, it, I bought a lot of healthcare. I think the biotech names are going to continue to work. Bought some of these uh, hospital names on a pullback or some of these insurance stocks on a pullback. That was an opportunity for people to step in and make some money. So did that Humana in particular. I actually want to start nibbling on the healthcare space as well. The you ones want to that got thrown. I want to. Mm -hmm. um, I, 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 you got to remember, I'm 90, 99% in the market already. So if I had to add, so I'd have to sell, sell something. What, do you, what would you sell? Uh, one of my underperformers, and I, you know, I've been lucky enough that I've only had a couple of them, but Vista Outdoors, one of those names, I'd probably sell and then lighten up and buy a healthcare name. Vista Outdoors, that was uh, formerly the gun, so gun stock, right? Yes. I mean, yes. Yeah. Smith & Wesson. <laughs> well, here, here's what I say. You know, d don't cut your flowers and keep your weeds if we're having a pullback. I mean, if you've got companies that are going to outperform on the way down, there's a good chance there's a better reason for holding those companies right now. So this is what people do during this time. But, but two days does not make a whoosh. It does not make a correction. And where we ended last week, I thought was absurd. And, and I think there's still a place where you can get markets to settle out a little bit. I agree with what Steve says. I think there's big rebalancing going on. And I think people need to kind of wait for earnings season. By the way, at some point we get through earnings season and there aren't a lot of catalyst left for a market that's right. very elevated. And by the way, we've got a lot of tech earnings coming. Yeah, we've got well, Apple and Facebook. Facebook and, yeah, tomorrow. Exactly. And Google, right. For me, I mean, the thing that I wrestled with most today was Anthem because the, all the other stuff went down with the market and it'll go up or down with the market. Anthem, I really try, you know, trying to figure out how big a threat is this Amazon, Berkshire, uh, J.P. Morgan. Take. It's, I mean, those three together, that's a thread. If you read the release, though, uh, it's so vague. I mean, it even says, at this point, we, we don't have any answers. They don't have a CEO they literally say, I mean, I mean, they, They've so, got a lot, a lot to do. So it's somewhere down the road. However, a triumvirate like that, you got you to gotta be a little bit concerned. I didn't do anything. I, I didn't want to have a knee-jerk reaction. It was more of a uh, sort of punch-in-the-gut reaction. I mean, right. it was down like 5 or 6%. Good. No, it no. didn't feel Ouch. good. But I ended up hanging on to it. 
Coming up, check out shares of AMD and Electronic Arts. Just reporting earnings moments ago, those conference calls underway. We'll bring you the very latest details. Plus, Steve Wynn feeling the heat after numerous sexual assault allegations. And with the Wynn Hotels, a centerpiece for top entertainers in Vegas. So have any of the entertainers or conferences canceled? We've got a special report. Later, a Bitcoin beat down the cryptocurrency sinking $1,000 today as the CFTC and Facebook are cracking down. The selling could be about to get a lot worse, according to one under-the-radar market tell. We've got the details. Much more Fast Money straight ahead. Welcome back to Fast Money. Check out shares of Twitter flying almost 2% today, hitting its highest level since November 2015. Shares traded above that key $26 IPO price. The stock is up more than 12% over just the past one week. So Grosso actually pitched the stock last night. How much higher does it have to go? So I'm eyeballing the October 2015 levels, and that brings you up to $32 in the price tag. So I mean, it's a pretty healthy move from here, especially that the stock couldn't get out of its own way for a long, the longest time. But I do believe Noto is, is winding up. That negative headline is winding up uh, pushing people into it, re-looking at the stock. There's that M&A activity. Basically, it's always been there, or potential, I should say. But I think they're getting their act together with or without Noto. And I think that you have a, a, a bunch of tail wins that are coming for them. Do we have an idea of who fills the gap at this point? Um, no, but if they, if they were smart, they get a marquee name, a marquee player. But the truth is, Twitter was going to recover or not recover with or without Anthony Noto. Under his tenure, the stock was down 41%. He has the, a terrific resume. The guy's a stud. But it wasn't because of him that it was going to recover. And the absence of him doesn't mean that it's not going to so recover. So you think there's going to be no impact? You've got the CEO who's a co-CEO. Oh, he's the CEO of Square and CEO of Twitter. And he's obviously divided his time to some degree. And then you've got Noto, who's gone, who, who has a great right. talent. Yeah, so hang on a second. And there's going to be no I impact do believe on his time. There was going to be an impact. Time? It sold off 15 uh percent -huh. and rallied back. So I do believe you saw the impact already. And I yeah. think that that's out of the way. And people, cooler heads are prevailing. And they look back at it and said, wait so, a minute. So Noto was there and the stock sold off 41 percent. He's gone and we should sell it off further. Ah, maybe I'll take a but second But, I mean, one. Noto leaving, number one, Noto leaving is a perfect indication this company's not being sold in the near-term period. He wouldn't have left. He left That's to be a one. CEO. It doesn't matter. He wouldn't have given up shares. Under those He's never going to be a CEO. So, all right, but okay. number two, let's think about this. It's being taken up on takeover speculation, right? Remember what happened last time, CRM? All these stocks took a, took a dirt nap, if you will, when they thought that this company was, dirt one of their companies was going to buy dirt Twitter. What is a dirt Meaning nap? they yeah. sold off massively. I, I mean, CRM sold off in a massive yeah. way. Yeah. Why? The only because the shareholder base that owns those stocks do not want them to own right now. that company. Don't. They don't have a monetization problem. They have a user growth problem. They can't solve that problem. No growth manager is going to touch a story. So it's up on short covering. It's up on takeover speculation. At 20 times EBITDA, there's no reason why This is any not a fundamental rally back, in other words. Is going no, to buy it. Correct. I, I respect your thoughts. I, I think Anthony Noto leaving, as people are acknowledging, here is, 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 is a challenge. I mean, this is a guy that was a stabilizing force at the company, but they're, look, they're returning to revenue growth. They're going to be possibly U.S. gap profitable for the first that. time ever. But so, I mean, I, to me, the, the, the engagement on Twitter to me is only growing. I think the, the, the platform's importance in a world of, of really probably very decentralized media, which is trying to consolidate again, um, I think Twitter is very interesting. By the way, do you guys notice that our our uh, production team was playing Rock and Robin <laughs> yeah. yes, on the right. way in? Yeah, uh, I just want to make sure everybody understood what was going oh, on. We it. don't miss a trick here. Yeah. Very clever. Crack staff back there. All right, still ahead. Steve Wynn, the center of multiple sexual assault allegations. So are corporations or entertainers 
pulling away from the win organization. We've got the details. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC First and Business Worldwide. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up on Fast. The Death Star that is Amazon is at it again, this time taking aim at healthcare. But if history is any indication, now might be the time to buy those beaten names. We'll explain. Plus, yeah, that's what Bitcoin investors are doing. And if you think the HODL gang is going to save you, a top market watcher says, think again. Something's changed about Bitcoin. He'll be here to tell us what that is when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Bitcoin falling below $10,000 today as regulators crack down on crypto. And now Facebook is joining the fray. Bob Pisani is at the New York Stock Exchange with more. Hi, Bob. More news on Bitcoin. It wasn't just a tough day for stocks, you know. It was also a tough day for cryptocurrencies in general. Bitcoin dropped below $10,000 once again, but it did close fractionally above that. Importantly, most of the selling occurred in the morning and mid-afternoon when U.S. traders would dominate. Now, some of this decline may be due to more regulatory concerns. Now, remember, all the cryptocurrencies dropped in December on concerns of a crackdown or an outright ban from South Korean and Chinese regulators. Uh, this time it was different. Today it was reported that the CFTC in the U.S. had sent a subpoena to Bitfinex and Tether in December. Now, Bitfinex is an exchange and a currency storage platform. In fact, it's the world's largest Bitcoin exchange platform. Tether is a cryptocurrency that claims it is backed by one U.S. dollar that is held in reserve each one. This helps facilitate transactions at a fixed rate to the U.S. dollar. Okay, it's not clear what the subpoena is about exactly, but Bitfinex and Tether both share the same CEO. Now, Tether says all of its coins are backed by U.S. dollars held in reserve, but the company has not yet provided clear evidence of its holdings. This is important because it's easy to trade the token for Bitcoin at Bitfinex, and that additional liquidity may have been a factor in lifting Bitcoin prices. So in addition to regulatory risk, there's another roadblock for cryptocurrency promoters. Let's call it advertising risk. Today, Facebook said it was banning all ads that promote cryptocurrencies, including Bitcoin, and it also includes initial coin offerings, those are ICOs, claiming that many of the companies in this space are, quote, not currently operating in good faith. Huh. The ban will extend beyond Facebook's core apps and include Instagram as well. And here's the funny part, Melissa. Facebook's board of directors includes two investors, Mark Andreessen and Peter Thiel, whose firms have been very prominent crypto backers. Back to you. Yep. All right, Bob. Thank you. Bob Pisani at the New York Stock Exchange. So are retail investors falling out of love with Bitcoin? Gasp. Nick Colas is Data Trek Research's uh, co-founder, and he joins us now with some surprising crypto info. Hi, Nick. Good to see you. Good to see you. So it seems like interest is waning a bit, isn't it? More than a bit. <laughs> uh, yeah, we look at Google Trends to see how many people are searching for anything with Bitcoin in the Google search engine. And going into December, it skyrocketed. It tripled in terms of total number of searches worldwide. And you saw that correlate to the increased number of wallets. Wallet growth went from 4 or 5% monthly to over 10% in December. What do you think happened? Bitcoin rallied to these highs. But since then, in January, the search volume has come way down, down 75%. And wallet growth has slowed as well, back down to that 4% level. So it's very much a case where you've got to hold interest in new Bitcoin owners to get Bitcoin to go up. So wallet growth in terms of the number of accounts or the number of wallets open, correct? But That's that doesn't right. necessarily reflect the amount of money in that wallet or being put in that wallet or traded within that wallet. 
And have you noticed it, if perhaps the search is broadened from Bitcoin to Ethereum, Litecoin, some of the other, Ripple, some of the other coins out there? It has. I mean, uh -huh. Bitcoin has really what I call is the gateway drug to right. all cryptos. And it has acted exactly that phrase. way. <laughs> and that is how it moves. So some of the movement in Ethereum, for example, which is traded much better, has been just money getting pulled out of Bitcoin. So it's absolutely the case. And the ratio of searches in Google roughly correlates to the market cap values of the different cryptocurrencies. So how much of a leading indicator do you think this could be? So far, it's been a very reliable leading indicator. It showed us the way up and it showed us the way back down. Is it and leading it has, or coincident? It is leading to wallet growth, which is coincident with price, which makes a ton of sense. So right now, it's telling me there really isn't yet that next leg up in Bitcoin because we're not seeing that next leg up in interest that leads to wallet growth, that leads to price appreciation. Nick, to what extent can you guys do analysis on the correlation between Bitcoin and what's going on in the overall market? So on a day like today, it doesn't surprise me to see that, you know, we can't, and this may not be a fair assessment of Bitcoin holders, but, but the reality is this is not a stable group of institutional investors. So what do you surmise on the next move if this market goes lower? Yeah, you're spot on. And I was interested to see the correlation of the pull down in Bitcoin with the futures trading in the morning. Right. And what you see is we also use big, uh, Google Trends to see when people Google the stock market. Because that's been a reliable indicator of volatility that day. And searches for stock market before the open today were the highest in a week. The only prior time was the close on Friday on that rip into the close. Mm -hmm. So that told me that people were worried about it. And I think that open this morning was retail investors saying, whoa, I'm probably a little bit out over my skis. Let's pull back in. Institutions didn't come in to save us. Same thing happened with Bitcoin. Right. Pulled down at the open. People said, okay, i got to pull back risk in everything I own. And we saw the follow-through. You're not getting the sense that the, this is the same pool of people, though. It's people with money, right? Okay. People with money tend to put it places. Stock market, right. Bitcoin. It's a small fraction. There's only 22 million wallets right. uh, in the world. There's many more brokerage accounts. Um, but in terms of who can invest in anything, it's going to be the same affluent base of people. All right. Nick, great to see you. Thank you. Thank you. Fascinating stuff. Nick Collis. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, look, I find what's really interesting is the linchpin to this story is really getting the institutional investor on the investment, you know, investing right. in these names. So the institutional investor interest, in my opinion, what I've seen in people I'm talking to seems to have skyrocketed, if you will. So I look at it and say all the conferences that are going on, they're drawing major institutional investors to this. You're seeing the likes of some big, big funds in the U.S. and across the world essentially gravitating toward these conferences, paying big bucks to get there to find out what's going on. They're the next money. They're the next leg of sort of investment that jumps in here. And I think that's when you see a massive turn. I think when you look towards the government and regulations, you have February 6th, I think, is the date uh, that we were talking about as far as the Senate Banking and Finance Committee that is going to start to revisit Bitcoin and regulations. And I think people are going to get out of that way right. until they see what type of dialogue and how it sounds and the heat coming out of these senators' mouths is going to be. Right. Oh, we should note that Robinhood goes live on Thursday in terms of Bitcoin trading, right? Mm -hmm. So you can, you can trade for free, which had been a big knock on Coinbase, right? The fees to get in and out of a trade right. were are pretty high. Prohibitive for some. Yeah. yeah. I just can't help think, though, that the, the shareholder base in the market is now overlapping a lot more with the Bitcoin holder than ever was the case. One of the things about Bitcoin was it wasn't correlated to anything. I can't help but think they are far more correlated now as it goes mainstream and as we have other instruments to use beside Bitcoin. And so when you have a really difficult market like we did today, stock market, I think the correlation is just going to be so higher going forward. Is everywhere. Yes. Yep. But, but Bitcoin really lost its, its edge before this move, right? I mean, Bitcoin has yeah. lost its edge for a couple weeks. And I, All the crypto, the whole space, I mean. Yeah, and, but I think about a lot of the money that funded these Bitcoin accounts. You know, you, credit card was the easiest way to do it. 
And that is levered money. And that is money that gets called back in at the end of the month or if yeah. you made some dough, you know, that's why these responses, futures markets are more levered. You know, there you go. All right, still ahead. Electronic Arts and Advanced Micro on the move after hours. Those conference calls are underway. We'll bring you all the headlines later this hour. Plus, win under fire pressures mounting for the casino giant as its conference business hangs in the crosshair. CNBC's Contessa Brewers live in Las Vegas with more on that story. Hi, Contessa. And the company trying to grapple with what could be a very real threat to the future success and the plans they have in place. Coming up, I'll tell you what's happening to the convention and conference business and what happened to the gaming licenses. It's ahead on Fast Money. Welcome back to Fast Money. The wind backlash continues as the company's conference and events business comes under pressure. Contessa Brewers in Las Vegas performs this developing story. Contessa. Melissa, the immediate question is whether brand damage affects the cash flow here, whether you'll see group bookings decline because of the scandal and the public pressure and protest. The majority of Wynn's Las Vegas revenue comes from non-gaming sources, and conventions are a big part of that. In fact, Steve Wynn is developing a new 26-acre of property that will include several million square feet of new convention space. We've already seen now a major conference cancel. The Republican Governors Association, scheduled for win for 2020, has said that they are not going to do it. And I talked to the former mayor, Oscar Goodman, who now represents the Las Vegas Convention and Visitors Authority, and it infuriates him. It's outrageous. I, I, to me, it's outrageous. I mean, these are people who are supposed to believe in our system. Uh, we're once presumed to be innocent. Uh, where one is entitled to a fair hearing before they make a, uh, a move against them. I think it's very unfair uh, to the att uh, potential attendees. The Consumer Electronics Show has refused to comment about what happens to its future here at Wynn, and other conventions have done the same. There's a real estate conference here right now, and I talked to two women who are attending it, asking them if they felt any kind of awkwardness about being here, and they said no, they could separate out the Wynn Resorts and the luxury brand that it is with the man at the center of the controversy. And in terms of whether you're seeing a decline in room reservations or cancellations here, let me just put this in perspective. My producer tried to book a room at Wynn tonight, couldn't. It was completely sold out. I head to uh, Boston tomorrow for the gaming conference by the commission in Massachusetts that will review these allegations in light of the, uh, the accusations against Steve Wynn. And I'm expecting to hear their what kind of a threat this might mean for the future of Wynn Boston Harbor. Analysts have said, Melissa, that they had expected this to be one of the biggest revenue producers in terms of regional casinos in the nation. What could they do at this point, Contessa? I mean, it's well underway in terms of construction. Well, so what they're saying is that they could revoke the gaming license for Steve Wynn as an individual. They could also revoke the corporate license. Why would they do that when there are 4,000 union jobs right now on this construction site? The big question is, do you want a Wynn-branded casino in your state? Uh, when, the, when these accusations came out, there was an immediate reaction from the commission saying they were going to pursue it with rigor. Uh, and would they have awarded a license to win had the accusations been public then? That's a big question. Yep, certainly is. Contessa, thank you. Contessa Brewer in Vegas. Simple question here. Are win shareholders better off with or without win? What do you think? I'm thinking actually without, because at some point they were going to be without win anyway. But let's say you were to wake up tomorrow and hear that he stepped down. Immediately, I would wonder, is it up for sale? 
That would be better for shareholders, I think, if they thought the prospect of a sale were in the near term. I think the stock would trade up. I tell you, I, I think they'd be fine without him in the long run. I think in the short run, you're going to take a hit. And I think this is the whole um, Paul hanging over the stock. Look, the stock rallied today on a good tape. I mean, on a bad tape. Yeah. So, you know, maybe, maybe this is telling you something. But um, the valuation and win right now is very attractive relative to its peers. Um, the underlying story in the gaming industry, very attractive. It's an asset story, okay? It's not necessarily, I realize Steve is a powerful figure in the world, certainly in Vegas, but I think this company moves but on. But why now. not buy another asset in this good story without the overhang of the, and the unknown oh. of how this will actually impact business? Because it's business. a cheap asset. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, it's about price. It's cheap enough that it's already it's discounted it's potential it's lawsuits. No. For me, it's not cheap enough right now. And, okay. It, it, you know, but, but I think at some point, once, when more news comes out, if everything was where it was today, it would be a cheap asset. And China exposure, I think, is the other reason why you want to own this story. And obviously, but they China's could pull the booming. concession. The concession's they, they up in 2020. Look. They could do the yep. same exact thing that they might uh, do Do you in think he survives? Is there any chance he survives? Uh, he could. He could survive. I mean, look, I, I think of it this way. I mean, it's not a prevailing technology where you need an innovator to manage to run this business from new innovation and, and a clear path on how the growth is going to accelerate here. You need somebody to manage this business. And I think there's plenty of people around that can do that effectively. The ground's been put, laid for them, and I think they'll continue to move the needle forward. Here's a question. A 4.8% today. Is there a possibility that Steve Wynn was in the market buying his own stock? Could have been. That's actually a he, good point. He it, it is was noted not. for being a great He's done a great job. It was a great this, job. This was an outside day. We had a higher high, a lower low from the previous day. And I had said yesterday that it was too soon to be buying when I still feel that way. But it was uncharacteristically strong in, as Tim said, a weak tape. So I think you have to look at these levels. Look at the last two days. Look at the low. Make sure it doesn't breach there if you want to jump back in. And, and Steve's right. Here's some perspective on the stock, though. If, if you take us back to where we were uh, three weeks ago, the stock is right now after this pullback is where the stock was. This stock went stratospheric before this pullback. And you're still now at a very, very elevated run in the stock after months and months of rallying. I don't know why you need to buy it tomorrow. All right. Still ahead. Check out the uh, big after hours movers, advanced microelectronic arts, both higher. We'll bring you the very latest in the company conference calls. Plus, Amazon wreaking havoc on healthcare stocks today as the company makes a major play in the space. But if history is any indication, this could be the perfect time to buy these beaten down names. We'll tell you what we mean. Much more fast money right after this break. Welcome back to Fast Money. Amazon once again taking no prisoners, this time with its target on health care. For more, let's go to the sickest man we know, Dom Chu, back in the newsroom. Hey, Dom. Well, thanks, Melissa. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that's the good kind of sick, kind of like fat with a P. But it, it is true. There's no mistaking. There is an Amazon effect out there. When Amazon decides to even hint at dabbling in an industry, the ripple effects are felt in the stock market for sure. I mean, just today, Amazon, Berkshire, J.P. Morgan Chase, TMEM to tackle health care costs, shaving 70 billion dollars off the market cap in the sector overall. And one of the more recent examples prior to today's fireworks was, of course, last summer's news of Amazon's foray into brick and mortar groceries. Yes, that whole Whole Foods situation. And if you can't remember when those rumors and headlines made their way into the markets, just take a look at a chart of, say, Kroger or Costco or Walmart or Sprouts Farmers Market over the last year. Hint, look in June. Each one of these stocks took a decent-sized dip right around the middle of the month. And to be fair, some did go even lower in the weeks that followed. But take a look at each of those stocks and their charts from then until now. 
Kroger stock is actually back to where it was before the Amazon Whole Foods news even hit. Costco stock is actually sitting near a 52-week high the last two days notwithstanding. It was just a small bump along the road for Walmart stock, which has been on that steady climb ever since to record high levels. And even a smaller grocer like Midcap Sprouts Farmers Market is back up to 52-week highs as well. Now, this isn't to say at all that Amazon isn't a disruptive force. Obviously, Melissa, it is. But some traders may be eyeing today's weakness in healthcare-related stocks as a possible opportunity. Back over to you guys. All right, thank you, Dom Chu in the newsroom. Well, speaking of the force, take a look at some of the biggest losers in healthcare today. Shares of Cigna, Anthem, AbbVie, United Health, all sinking off the Amazon announcement. So, is now the time to buy this dip, Seberg? Uh, I absolutely think it's time to buy the dip. I think that in the near term, they're not going to have the impact on the franchises, if you will. Uh, I look at why investors are in these stories. Why are they in the UNHs of the world or the Cygnus of the world? It's a cash flow story, cash flow and earnings story. That's why they're there. They'll continue to be there as long as those exist. So I don't think you take your foot off the gas. It could take them a really long time to get in the mix here and have any competitive threats. I agree. I think it takes them a long time. As I said, I've, you know, I own Anthem, so that was not fun. But when, when the Amazon Whole Foods deal happened, that happened, done, right away. Right. They closed in three months or however long. And so you could immediately see the effects. Here, we are a ways off from seeing what this is going to look like. If, if, Amazon, if in the Amazon Whole Foods press release, they actually said, we want to lower prices so that every American family will pay less for their groceries and we don't care about making a profit. Didn't they kind of say that? But they did I mean, But, that, yeah, but right. that's what they're saying oh, in this press release. Yes. Right. Would, uh, we are it, not it for cast, profit. Right. 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 We're willing to, profit. to. Right. Not for profit. Not so all. So our U.S. Right. employees and hopefully the American people will pay less for health care. Doesn't that cast this in a very different light? No, because yeah, that part is different, but mm -hmm. that it that it can't happen right away. Right. Whole Foods happened right away. Right. Right. Immediately they saw they immediately started raising right. lowering prices. We, we don't know exactly how they're going to, you know, help these one million uh employees of theirs. Uh -huh. um, but ultimately, if you think about a UNH, and I just get back to the investment in the sector, these guys were helped as much as anybody by tax reform. I mean, UNH, when they had fantastic numbers, they told you they raised guidance by about 18% based upon tax numbers. They were as aggressive as anybody in giving you the guidance on what this tax deal meant for them. All right. Uh, Amazon reports earnings after the bell on Thursday. One trader's betting on a big rally for the tech giant. Let's get to Mike Co. For more, Mike, what do you... Mike's back with the Death Star. Mike, what are you doing there? Well, we're talking about <laughs> the Death Star, aren't we, when we talk about Amazon? So this seems like an appropriate place to be. So this is a stock that typically moves about 8% on earnings. That is what the options market is implying we're going to see this time as well. We saw a very large trade. The April 1400, 1440 call spread traded 3,000 times for $26 a piece. That's $2,600 per trade or risking about $7.8 million that the stock was going to be above 1440 by April expiration. The thing is, with the move that we saw today, much of that has already been made with the stock trading just below that level. But it was definitely a big bullish bet. And by the way, 8% move, $55 billion market cap swing. That's how big the stock is. I think the Death Star suits Mike, actually. Hey, he looks good on it. I mean, Mike, I've always kind of known about his dark side, too. I mean, Mike, to <laughs> for more options action, check out the full show Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. Coming up, Advanced Micro seeing a huge reversal in the post-market session. The stock is now higher by half a percent after being down more than 5%. We'll tell you what's got investors flocking to this stock. Stick around. That music means only one thing. It is time for the earnings whip. We've got a couple of after hours. We were here. Julia Borson's on Electronic Arts call and Josh Lipton's covering AMD. So let's kick it off with Julia and EA. Julia. 
Well, a lot of talk on the EA conference call about why it's raising its full year revenue guidance. It's about the strength of live services or digital game purchases rather than physical game sales. That will increase the company's profitability. Also, a lot of talk about how esports will continue to drive results. Competitive gaming continues to be a major growth opportunity for us. We are bringing some of the biggest sports franchises in the world to the esports stage, and with new league partners, sponsors, and broadcasters, our Madden NFL and FIFA competitions are reaching new milestones. Wilson, referring to a new partnership EA just announced with Disney as well as with the NFL to bring its Madden NFL 18 Championship Series to ESPN and Disney XD. Now, as for the backlash surrounding the microtransactions in Battlefront 2, that was the big game release in the quarter, Wilson said the game was a learning opportunity that they never intended to build a system that was unfair going forward, saying they'll work with players to pioneer new types of services. Now, R.W. Baird's Colin Sebastian already issued a note on that topic. He called it the Star Wars storm is subsiding, saying that Battlefront's underperformance was outweighed by the company's digital strength. Now, as for tax reform, EA says it provides an opportunity for the company to repatriate most of its foreign earnings, saying it's planning to reevaluate capital return and investment strategy, and it will consider a dividend down the line. Melissa, over to you. All right. Thank you very much, Julie Borson. Who wants to trade EA on this desk? So, so last year was an underperformer. Activision was basically up 77% uh, or thereabouts. Uh, Take Two was up over 100%. EA was up middle 30s. And right out of the gates, you see EA outperforming. They had that little debacle with uh, with Disney and their, and their Star Wars game that embarrassed them. Um, but I think this is the year for the underperformer to be the outperformer. I would say EA is probably best in class, best in space with that Star Wars tailwind. Uh, Chief esports correspondent. Yeah, well, that's what I do. League of Legends. So, you know, I go to the garden and I, I game away. And, and I'm seriously in, in, in awe of what's going on in the electronic sports world. So I, I think these guys still have an incredible tailwind. I think the valuation isn't terrible at this point. As Steve said, stock's been underperforming. It's been doing nothing since May of last year. You know, roughly uh, 28, 29 times multiple. I think you nibble, but, you know, I, I think the stock's been looking for a catalyst. Look, it's all about earnings growth. You heard them talk about returning cash to shareholders. You turn them talk about buying back stock. All that stuff's like music to the ears of investors. It's an earnings growth story. As long as that's intact, you're going to stick with the story. So I'm a buyer here. All right, let's get to Josh Lipton now in San Francisco. He's monitoring the AMD call that's just about wrapping up here. Josh. So, Melissa, you see AMD bouncing around here in the after hours. In part, that could be because the company did adopt these new revenue uh, recognition standards, which may have confused some traders and investors. The bottom line is they are guiding Q1 revenue guide here up 32% versus a street's expectation of 27%. Uh, blockchain technology, Melissa, a big subject on this call, its impact, its effect on AMD's business. Here's what AMD's CEO, Dr. Lisa Su, had to say. Take a listen. If you look at blockchain in particular, um, our estimates um, are that it was about a third of the growth. Uh, a third of the 140 million. When I look going forward, you know, clearly uh, blockchain is a little bit of a fluid and dynamic market. Uh, we did see some strength as we went into December. Uh, we see strength um, as we're going into the first quarter. Now, analyst press Dr. Sue um, hard on crypto, uh, what she thought the effect on AMD's business was. Uh, Dr. Sue saying it's, it's hard to really say, but she said that, listen, probably mid-single-digit percentage of annual revenue. Maybe she said a bit higher than that. She called it an important market that's consuming a lot of GPU, GPUs. Crypto is strong right now, she said, though it remains, in her words, a dynamic market. Uh, not surprisingly, of course, a lot of questions about AMD's new products as well, including Epic. That 
processor for servers where AMD is trying to take on Intel, the giant in that space. Uh, Dr. Sue pointing out that uh, some client wins there. Microsoft, Azure, and Baidu have both adopted Epic in their cloud environments. Melissa, back to you. All right, thank you very much, Josh Lipton. Are we seeing this uh, the blockchain effect on the stock in the after-hour session now? One and a quarter percent. Well, I mean, the stock had had the blockchain effect. I mean, largely, you know, you've gone from 990 up to where we are. Obviously, there's a little bit of this Intel uh, boost, but I, I think the dynamic here is this is a look. People are looking for ways to play blockchain. These guys are articulating that this is a meaningful part of the incremental or the delta on their growth is coming from blockchain. That's very good news. Now. They're right to not tell you. They don't know exactly how much it will be going forward because they can't apply it. But um, I, I think the stock's sideways from here, though. I, I don't. I, I don't jump in. Yeah, you're looking for a blockchain play. You go to an AMD or an IBM or a, no, you know. because I think it's sort of the tail wagging the dog. If you want block, if you want that exposure, that's not enough. It's not direct enough. I mean, to me, I would. I, I, I'm glad AMD. It seems like maybe this issue is behind them. Maybe it behind Intel a little much, a little bit in terms of flawed meltdown and sector. But I'd rather be an Intel. Up next, final trades. It's time for the final trade. Let's go around the horn. Tim Seymour. So during a period where we may or may not have more market volatility, a name like Starbucks to me is steady as she goes. I realized there was volatility in their last earnings numbers. That was some weakness I bought. I like the name. I stay there. Karen Feinerman. Yes, Melissa Lee. I am GM. I'm sticking with it. They're reporting, I think it's February 6th. They've already given us some insight into how it's going to be. I think it's, if said, uh, 6650. I think it's going to be good. I'm long. 32. Uh, oh, that's all. 33, Mel. I'm justified to see McDonald's down 3% today. Uh, I think it's an absolute buy after the quarter they just put out by yeah. McDonald's. Right aid. It was hurt today with the Amazon headlines, but I think ultimately this will be a tailwind to them. It's a turnaround story with or without the tailwind from that Amazon story, but right aid, $2 number, tremendous upside. We're going to ask why you call me 32. Well, they'll just have to wonder. Yeah. I'm Melissa Lee. Thanks so much for watching. See you back here tomorrow at 5 for more Fast Mad Money with the one and only Jim Cramer starts right now. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today.